imagine that there was a famine where you live. And in, in search for food, your community stumbled across a forgotten field, ripe with, with wheat and corn and potatoes. And let's just say that there were enough crops to feed the entire community through the winter, the spring, and through next harvest. Now, imagine that the city leaders began to argue and bicker over how to divide these crops, who should get more than others, and how much a city should set aside. In the process, everyone overlooked uh, the plan to plant more crops because everyone was trying to win the favor in the eyes of the community by giving them more food so that they could climb higher and higher on the power structure. Now, fast forward 12 months, food is running out, uh, there are no new crops to harvest because the city was so consumed with enjoying the fruit of the harvest and not concerned with replenishing the source. What we are experiencing in America right now is just this scenario. The social justice movement is clinging to much of the fruit of Christendom without really considering its source. And one day we look up and we have riots, we have racism, abortion, sex trafficking, and pedophilia being defended. We have leaders living in open sin without repercussions. You see, right now there's a morality famine in the land. And, and we have consumed all of the fruit and we have chosen to stop planting the seed that bears the fruit. Last time we talked about how social justice cannot succeed if it's left as the guiding principle in our lives, but rather social justice must have God's law as the guiding principle, otherwise it fails. And the question we need to address is why? Why has social justice divorced itself from Christianity? Why has our culture stopped sowing seeds that bear the fruit of Christianity? Now, now this is going to sound like an oxymoron, but it, it's really not. Social justice does not know what real love is. What social justice grabs is cultural morality. And cultural morality is just those things which a culture declares moral. And cultural morality doesn't understand love. Instead, it confuses infatuation for love. If you don't believe me, look at how quickly uh, a simple mistake can get someone canceled. Years of credibility can be thrown away by a rash word, an unloving sentiment, or just a poorly thought out tweet. True love, however, rehabilitates. True love brings a lost sheep back into the fold. Infatuation just moves on. In James 5, 19-20 we read, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So on the one hand you have social justice which says cancel, and on the other hand you have a gospel which says forgive. The gospel says bring them back into the fold. Now the big argument that social justice will use against the Christian worldview is an argument of tolerance, right? Uh, culture tells us that, that love means tolerance, acceptance, and now encouragement in personal choices. You can't just be okay with it, but you have to encourage the choices that people are making. But again, I would argue that this is a massive misunderstanding of love. Uh, let me give an example. If my three-year-old daughter wants to climb on the hot stove and, and I tell her no, 
and she proceeds to drag over a stool and then begin to climb up, I have two options. The first is I can let her burn herself, right? I can let her touch the stove and burn her hand and go through all the pain and all the agony that that's gonna um, cause. Or I can pull her away and I can put her in timeout. Now, which option is the loving option? It's actually the option that's not tolerant, that's not accepting, and that's not encouraging of her desires. The loving option is one of correction and discipline. It's the option that does not side with her desires at that particular moment. Proverbs 12.1 tells us this, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. And in Hebrews 12.11 we read, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You see, the reason that our culture has stopped sowing seeds of Christianity is that it's rejected true love. It doesn't want correction or discipline. It does not want to deny itself. And this is why social justice in itself can never succeed. It must have Christ, and Christ demands that we strive to look like Him, not mold Him to look like us. Christ demands that we deny ourselves. Now let's go back to our pretend famine scenario uh, from the beginning of our talk. And I said America is dealing with a moral famine, and the remaining fruit of Christendom has sustained us for a little while, but we haven't been planting many new seeds, have we? The harvest is running out, and people are beginning to notice. It's almost like my three-year-old daughter in the story. She wanted all the comforts of my house, the air conditioning, running water, toys, a father and mother that love her, but she didn't want to abide by the rules which we provided. If we loved her in all those other ways, why would she believe that we were not loving her with our rules? Now, if, if you remember the last time, we said that origin determines purpose. And I made the argument that social justice will never succeed without returning to the beginning and recapturing the truth that man is made in the image of God. And, and here's why. If the life of service for humanity and the love of your neighbor is not rooted in the law of God, it loses its force and its character. Because man is not naturally lovable. Think about this. When you are unhappy with someone and they send you that text message, what tone do you use when you read that text in your head? When someone cuts you off on the road, do you instinctively imagine that they're a moron who is recklessly not paying attention? When someone does something tragic or terrible, do we immediately determine that they are conniving and hateful in their hearts? You don't have to answer that because I can watch the news and tell you the answer. Without the guiding principle of the Bible, there's no authority to tell us who we must love. Instead, we're left waiting for a movement that believes we're nothing more than evolved monkeys to tell us what's right and tell us what's wrong. We're left waiting for this entity to tell us who to love and who not to love. However, if you were to read Matthew 22, 36 through 40, you would actually find everything that you would need. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets.
Now, loving your neighbor like yourself does not mean allowing them to climb on the stove just because they really want to. Loving your neighbor like yourself does not mean burying your head in the sand as the world burns around you. Loving your neighbor as yourself means protecting their lives and their souls. Think about it. Do you really love someone if you allow them to indulge in activities that are harmful to their soul? In the same way that we have the responsibility to prohibit three-year-olds from climbing onto hot stoves, we have the same responsibility to show our neighbor that the sin in their life is going to harm them. What we're witnessing in a social justice movement that has removed authority from God's law as its organizing principle is man's attempt to enjoy the fruit of Christendom without having to plant the seeds that bear that fruit. If you were to survey human history, you would find that those nations who identified Christianity or religion in general as their enemy had some of the lowest value for human rights. In ancient Rome, unwanted babies were left to die in the elements outside the city. The Christians would sneak up and adopt them. Karl Marx identified Christianity as one of the greatest enemies of the people. Joseph Stalin created an intentional man-made famine and starved 3.9 million Ukrainians. Hitler saw that any religion that could not be controlled by the state was a threat to him. This includes Christianity and Judaism. And why is this? Because where the image of God is absent, so is the value of life.